0: Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. February 9th, 2022. The five part multivariable equation facing Disney's Bob Chapek. Disney has more iconic IP than any media company in the world. That said, we do not envy the current situation facing Disney CEO Bob Chapek. During the Bob Iger era at Disney, Iger was able to acquire an array of IP. Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilm, that repositioned the Walt Disney Company for long-term success. Despite a vast amount of amazing IP that consumers around the world love, Disney now finds itself at a crossroads with huge decisions facing Team Chapik. The Chapic era really only started in January 2022, following Iger's departure at the end of 2021, while the Iger era started off with a swift acquisition of Pixar – that set the tone for his next 15 years as CEO, Chapek's steps to be a long-term streaming wars winner and for the future even beyond streaming are far less clear. Chapek's internal letter. On January 10th, 2022, Chapek sent an internal letter to Disney employees outlining the company's strategy for the next 100 years. Deadline published a copy here that you should read. Chapik focused on three pillars that appear instructive as we think about Disney's future. We'll refer back to each as we debate the key challenges and decisions facing Chapik. First, storytelling excellence. Second, innovation. Third, relentless focus on their audience. Number one, punt or keep ESPN. Sporting events can certainly showcase amazing stories as the 2022 NFL playoffs have shown. However, with SportsCenter no longer relevant, ESPN and every other sports distribution platform are essentially only relevant for watching live sports. And even then, outside of the NFL and the postseason for other sports not named the NFL, we are actually less and less sure how relevant live sports content is on any platform relative to highlights on social media platforms. ESPN effectively owns nothing beyond SportsCenter and 30 for 30, and is forced to license or rent content from leagues at ever higher prices in specific geographic regions. Despite that, the outlook for sports rights licensing competition is not improving. More and more SVOD platforms are looking for sports rights, especially Amazon, as CFO Brian Olsalski talked about on Amazon's Q4 2021 conference call. Quote, We've been working on getting sports properties, that will be beneficial and valuable to Amazon Prime offering. We're still probably early on in that. We have obviously had success with Premier League soccer, other soccer leagues around the world, tennis properties, and also probably the marquee is the work with the NFL on Thursday Night Football. Contrast the commentary, Ossowski's quote, above, to Chapik's aforementioned letter with his three pillars tied to leveraging owned IP globally. Then add in the growing impact of cord cutting, the challenge of operating a sports streaming business where consumers come in and out for specific sports or seasons, far less overlap than occurs on a general entertainment streaming service, and the growing sports rights competition to which we just spoke. Your instant reaction is likely to to ask, why not spin off ESPN? Which is what we said Chapek should do, the day he became Disney CEO. The problem with quote-unquote punting ESPN, despite all of its long-term challenges, is that ESPN still generates billions of dollars of free cash flow. Disney needs ESPN's free cash flow to accelerate its investment in streaming content. Disney and its legacy media peers are all realizing they need far more content to compete in a streaming world than what they first announced their streaming strategies as there's no friction for consumers to cancel and competition for consumers time and attention has accelerated well beyond SVOD alternatives. Punting ESPN has been made that much more difficult because it shares resources and content licensing deals with the ABC broadcast network. If you were to spin off ESPN, how do you split it from the ABC network and station group? The NBA regular season's on ESPN, but the NBA finals are on ABC. Sure. Disney could sign a commercial agreement between ESPN and ABC, but that sounds complicated to value and makes renewing rights agreements where broadcast reach is important, exceedingly complex for ESPN. In addition, ESPN Plus presumably goes with ESPN, yet ESPN is part of the Disney Triple Play Bundle and the Hulu Live Bundle that now includes Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. As Disney has woven all of its assets together, separating them out is more difficult, and would require hard-to-value and structure commercial agreements. Take it a step further. If you're spinning off ESPN and ABC, should Hulu go with it too? Since so much of Hulu's content comes from ABC, especially as NBC Universal continues to take back its content for Peacock. Obviously, Hulu could also sign a commercial agreement with the spun-off ABC, but once again, it adds complexity. And if Hulu goes with ESPN and ABC, what happens to the ABC television and 20th television production units? If Disney's just about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilms and Pixar content vertically integrated with Disney+, you do not need General Entertainment Television Studios nor does, nor does Disney need FX, which has become tightly integrated with Hulu. Also remember that wherever Hulu resides, it comes with a 10 to 15 billion dollar plus liability for the 33% ownership stake held by Comcast's NBCU. The domino effect of an ESPN spinoff is problematic and makes that decision that much more challenging to make in the first place. Not to mention, if you are spinning off ESPN in any form, how does that impact Hearst, who owns 20% of ESPN? How do you compensate Hearst for separating ESPN from the larger Walt Disney Company, as we discussed back in November 2021? We're also unclear whether Hearst has the ability to block a spinoff and or prevent a specific merger partner, such as a sportsbook. Even if you could spin or merge ESPN with a sports book, how much value would really be created given the underlying challenges facing ESPN? Does merging with a sports book really help ESPN's future? Doubtful. In our top 22 for 22, we predicted Disney would keep ESPN along with Hulu, the TV production studios, and FX in order to help it buy out Hulu sooner than later. Given the goal in this scenario is to maximize ESPN's free cash flow to fund other aspects of Disney, ESPN should look to license its brand to a sportsbook, as was speculated in late 2021. In addition, if maximizing near-term free cash flow is Disney's goal, then there's also no reason for ESPN to be stepping up and aggressively bidding for sports rights such as Sunday Ticket. ESPN has signed deals with every major league and already has more than enough sports rights. In fact, outside of the NFL, it probably could continue to increase sub-fees, even if it lost some major sports rights. Number two, to Hulu or not to Hulu? That is the question. The next huge question facing Chapik and the Disney team is do they actually want to be in the Hulu business? When you look at the 1957 Disney strategy drawing embedded to the right, the clear takeaway is how every part of the Walt Disney Company leverages the IP and content creation from the studio division. Maybe even more importantly, there's no company in the world that can leverage IP the way Disney can. Now think about Hulu. Disney can certainly buy out Comcast early, as we advocated for, and then ramp investment in original programming that it owns and controls globally. However, Hulu's programming, as you can see from their most recent original embedded to the right, as well as the FX content now on Hulu, It has no synergy with the rest of Disney. You cannot turn this type of content into theme park rides or plush toys, nor license them to platforms like Fortnite. If Disney management believes that Disney Plus is too narrow of a service, content-wise, to succeed long-term, then buying the rest of Hulu sooner than later and incorporating it into Disney Plus while investing aggressively in content makes complete sense. Disney would essentially transform Disney Plus and Hulu into a direct Netflix and HBO competitor. Waiting two years makes no sense if they need to broaden the content on Disney Plus, even if it costs 10 to 15 billion to buy out the remainder of Hulu. It's also worth remembering that the $1 billion annual content licensing fees that Hulu pays NBC would drop significantly, if not entirely, depending on whether they maintained a catalog agreement. Let's say Disney actually decides to accelerate the acquisition of Hulu and integrate it into Disney Plus. There's added complexity because Hulu is primarily ad driven where Disney Plus is ad-free. In addition, Hulu has 4 million VMVPD subscribers who have Disney Plus and ESPN included for free in addition to Hulu's core 40 million S5 subs. The, these big questions emerge. Does Disney really want to be in the linear TV channel distribution business, Hulu Live, if it's incorporating Hulu into Disney Plus? If Disney makes Hulu a tile inside of Disney Plus like they do with Star overseas, should they require a Disney Plus subscription to get Hulu? Similar to the UFC pay-per-views with ESPN Plus. On the other hand, why spend all this money buying full control of Hulu and investing in Hulu content to then bury it as a tab inside of Disney Plus? Having ads in some content and not in others is a weird consumer experience. You can watch the Beatles Get Back documentary on Disney Plus without ads. But if you want to watch the D'Amelio show, would you have to watch ads unless you pay for the premium ad-free Hulu experience? Should Disney rename the entire SVOD service that incorporates Disney Plus and Hulu, not to mention ESPN Plus if ESPN stays? Do you keep the Star brand overseas, or do you transform it into the Hulu brand globally? On the other hand, what happens if Disney decides it only wants to be in the Disney business, meaning only create content that it can leverage across all of its assets? This implies a far smaller TAM for Disney Plus, but it makes Disney Plus unique among its streaming peers. If CHAPIC follows this path, Disney should put Hulu into the assets to be spun off bucket and either sell it to Comcast or spin it as part of the aforementioned ESPN and ABC transaction. And if you do get rid of Hulu, what happens to the star brand overseas that relies heavily on Hulu for content? Unfortunately for Disney, their past decisions significantly complicate future decision making with no easy answers ahead. Number three, the streaming movie talent problem. When you watch the Netflix 2022 movie preview embedded to the right, it does not appear they are having trouble convincing talent to work with them, despite a very limited or non-existent theatrical release. Yet Disney is clearly wrestling with, the th- with theatrical, as both their on-screen talent and their own executive team want to see movies released in theaters. In fact, Disney's most important creative executive is a firm believer in the theatrical experience. This is a quote from March 9, 2021, from Marvel president Kevin Feige, posted in Variety. It's impossible not to be when you go to the opening night to 23 movies in packed movie houses and seeing the moviegoers reaction that's what drives us creatively as we make all of these certainly culminating in avengers endgame and far from home there's nothing better than that and we don't want to lose it i'm hoping we don't have to it's human nature to want to get together and have an experience Yet, when you look at a string of failed Disney theatrical releases, including Eternals, West Side Story, and even Shang-Chi, as well as the success of Disney's animated titles on Disney+, Plus, most recently in Canto, it is clear that Disney's movie distribution strategy needs to change. Even former Disney CEO Bob Iger recently said as much, stating, quote, this is in the Sway podcast, I think theaters are going to become a smaller and smaller business. I don't think it's the death of the movie theaters. I think it's a severe injury that maybe doesn't heal. One of the most obvious answers to Disney Plus's need for more content is to leverage Disney movies with either no window, day and date, or an exceedingly short window, a couple of weeks at most. The counterpoint is that everyone who has Disney Plus has already subscribed for the types of movies Disney produces. So you're not adding additional subs. Well, that could very well be true in many cases. It is not true for all. Remember the w- wave of sign-ups spurred by Hamilton. Also, putting new movies on Disney Plus would enable a far higher ARPU versus the current $7.99 per month. In fact, it does not sound unreasonable to charge 15 to $20 per month if it comes with day-and-date access to Disney movies for the entire year. Just math. If Disney Plus increased price from $7.99 to $14.99 without churn, the incremental $7 per month on its non-HotStar Disney Plus subs globally would yield an incremental $6 billion of revenue, with dramatically less marketing costs than what Disney spends now to release movies in theaters. Reminds us of the, of the blog we wrote in 2019 on how Disney could double studio revenues. When you go back to Chapek's internal message to employee, he appears very cognizant that he needs to focus on what the audience wants, and there's clear demand for changing how movies are distributed. Sony's Spider-Man is now more of an anomaly than the norm. The question is simply, Whether he has the stomach to upset his executive team and to reach deep into Disney's pockets financially, to restructure talent deals so they are compensated appropriately as theatrical windows shrink or disappear. To be clear, the near-term impact is Disney making far less money from its studio, another reason to keep the ESPN cash flow around. But the long-term opportunity to reimagine the film business by leveraging Disney's best-in-class IP is enormous. Number four. Should Disney abandon IPL in India? As we said in our top 22 for 22, Disney plus Hotstar has been a creative way for Disney to rapidly expand its subscriber base, even if ARPU has been insignificant. However, with 44 million of Disney's 118 million Disney plus subs coming from Hotstar, the need to retain IPL cricket rights in India is critical. The challenge for CHAPIC and Disney, though, is if they are no longer interested in the sports rights business, meaning ESPN, because it's not owned content that they control globally, why are they bidding on IPL rights? Retaining IPL would likely cost Disney 1.2 to 1.5 billion per year for the next five years, up from just over 500 million today, with little to no incremental revenue. While failing to renew IPL would lead to a huge loss of Hotstar subs and in turn Disney plus Hotstar subs, we wonder if it's the right strategic decision. Maybe Disney should be investing far more aggressively in local kids and family content, TV and movies, versus licensing IPL at ever higher costs. It sort of feels like the IPL decision is linked to how Disney comes out on ESPN. Do they want to be in the sports rights business or not? Number five, can interactive media be licensed long term? The Iger era was defined by buying world-class IP whereas we sh- believe the Chapic era should be defined by the future of media. We believe this means buying an interactive media platform. Unfortunately for Disney, we doubt it happens anytime soon. Chapic's internal letter clearly illustrates that Disney must adapt to changing consumer behavior as time spent shifts away from linear TV, the multi-channel bundle, and movie theaters towards streaming, mobile, and interactive entertainment and experiences, video games, and other interactivity. Yet over the past several years, Disney has effectively given up on building its own interactive media offerings and chosen instead to license their brand and content to an array of third parties such as Epic Games, Fortnite, Zynga, EA, Ubisoft, and more. In the aforementioned recent Iger Sway podcast interview, he stated, I woke up one day and thought, we're basically selling nuclear weapons technology to a third world country, and now they're using it against us. While Iger is talking about licensing their content and IP to Netflix, it is hard not to see the parallels to what Disney's doing today in video gaming. Why help Epic, Zynga, EA, Ubisoft, etc. Despite Disney's repeated failures buying and building interactive media, Club Penguin, and Playdom, Lightshed's Brandon Ross has spoken to why a Disney Epic Games tie-up makes so much sense. See our recent discussion on the Lightshed podcast embedded below. For that matter, so would Roblox. The challenge is the controlling shareholders of Roblox and Epic both have no interest in selling and believe they can build trillion-dollar companies without Disney. Not to mention that given the impact of COVID on Disney's businesses, Disney's balance sheet is not in a great position to make a large acquisition. Disney's current EV is $315 billion, with Roblox currently at $36 billion, and Epic's private with a most recent private market valuation of nearly $30 billion. And remember, it's not just the health of Disney's balance sheet today, as they have a 10 to $15 billion Hulu liability and a substantial IPL liability if they choose to renew, on top of the needs to invest aggressively in content for their streaming platforms. Bottom line, Disney needs to make big decisions, soon. Bob Chapek is faced with a series of very challenging decisions he needs to make over the coming months that could dramatically transform the Walt Disney Company. In many ways, it feels as if Iger did the easy work, setting Disney's streaming future in motion and capturing the low-hanging subscriber fruit. But now the hard work of figuring out what Disney will look like in the future as consumer behavior shifts begins. How willing is Chapek to disrupt his own businesses to build for the long term? How willing is Chapek to crush earnings to build for the future? How willing is Chapek to lose key executives that are not on board with the future? How willing is Shapic to make key structural decisions buying and selling major assets? In the end, as much as we are intrigued by the recent pullback in Disney shares, it's impossible to be excited about the stock at current levels, given how many unanswered questions remain that impact the strategic direction and valuation of Disney. We're waiting on the sidelines until the CHAPIC plan is more evident.